there, good day everyone, and welcome to another episode of Left After Breakfast, broadcast from 3CR, your only radio left. Susanna here with you, and I'll be joined by other members of my Left After Breakfast team as the program continues. Your favourites for a start. So, welcome to regular listeners and indeed to anyone who has just tuned in. Good on you. Well, it's almost a week since the election, dear listener. My word. My word. I must confess that I didn't stay up to watch the counting, to look at the results. I had so many friends who were sitting up from 6pm onwards, listening to Anthony Green, watching the results. Some of them were singing, most of them were cheering, and many of them were dancing. In fact, they were dancing in the streets outside my house, apparently. But I didn't watch. I thought I couldn't bear the nail-biting worry of it. I was always afraid that something might go awry. But it didn't. And I woke up on Sunday morning just before 5am and I looked at the news. And I thought, wow, fantastic. What a difference a day makes, eh? A difference a day made Twenty-four little hours What the sun and the flowers Yesterday was blue, dear Today I'm a part of you, dear My lonely nights are through, dear Since you said you were mine A day makes There's a rainbow before me Skies above can't be stormy Since that moment of bliss On your menu What a difference A day made And the difference Is you
Uh, good morning, you're listening to 3CR, the only radio left. Thank you, Bagman. You are indeed listening to 3CR, and I'm trying not to go on too much about the elections of last week, as we all know what happened. Though I'm really pleased to see some of these results, because I was very concerned about those right-wing populist little parties like Clive Palmer's United Australia Party. I always smile when I say United Australia Party. And Pauline Hanson's One Nation. These people who like to have their name in the party, it makes me wonder about them. Well, I don't have to wonder for too long, do I? I know what kind of egocentric lunatics they are. But these far-right populist parties have been a worry to me because I thought that they would be capitalising on the pandemic to lift their vote. You know, they've broadened their whole appeal, if you can use such a word, but they've broadened their appeal for being just anti-immigrant and anti-vaccine. They started trying to dabble in economy like that promise of Clive Palmer to cap home loan interest at 3%. This has been said by a man who obviously knows nothing about economics at any level and he's hoping that no one else in Australia understands anything about economics either. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said such a stupid thing. And then we had that One Nation Senator, Malcolm Roberts. Remember him? He said he was stateless. He couldn't tell you where he was born or what nationality he was. But his sister told him that he was stateless, so that was good enough for him. But Malcolm, dear little Malcolm, has been courting the so-called sovereign citizens. All the responses to the pandemic inflamed a very vocal group of anti-vaccine, anti-lockdown campaigners. And when you look at it, One Nation's traditional message of anti-immigration was rendered redundant by the closure of Australia's borders for much of the past few years. And Palmer's United Australia Party poured millions of dollars, millions of dollars, into an assault on faith in vaccines. Now, that was an issue that completely dropped out of its message because Australians overwhelmingly got themselves vaccinated. Mind you, there are still a number of people who are not vaccinated who refuse to be vaccinated and I hold them responsible for the deaths still around us from this deadly virus. But what I'm saying, listener, is I'm really glad that those little right-wing populist nasty parties didn't get any further in fact, they are lower down than they were before, and that's quite a relief to me. I have grandchildren. What kind of a country will they be living in when right-wing lunatics, vicious lunatics, can set up their own parties and get themselves a seat in the Senate? But I won't waste any more of my thought processes on those vicious brutes in the One Nation and that dreadful, gruesome Clive Palmer. Enough is enough. I don't have to worry about them because I can see better days coming ahead. I really can. In fact, bright, 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 sunshiny days. (laughs) 
listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital and on the internet www.3cr.org.au You'll have to overlook my fluffy music this morning listener I feel sort of fluffy because I do feel a certain spirit in the air that's out there that things are better and I have such a weight off my shoulders I really do, knowing that at least that Prime Minister, that dreadful Scott, has gone. And I hope he's really feeling bad. I hope he's kicking the doors and saying, what happened? Why did they do this to me? I really hope he's feeling that if anyone deserves to feel bad, it is him. And I can just imagine Jenny... Moaning to her girlfriend, the one on 85k a year to keep her company. She hasn't got that anymore. But I can just imagine Jenny moaning at her friend, saying things along the lines of, If he'd just put down that lump of coal and picked up a hose. If he'd just helped the states manage the pandemic rather than undermining the labour states at every opportunity. 
Perhaps if he'd bothered to pick up the phone to fight sir, or buy some bloody rat tests before everyone needed them. Or suppose he had not been involved in a cover-up of a sexual assault that took place 50 metres from his office. And maybe if he had not lied to the French president, or if he'd bothered to do anything about the grifting and warting that his colleagues were compulsively addicted to, maybe he would have had a different result. But you know, listener, I don't think so. That was the finish of him. Another job he's got the boot from. What does he say to his daughters? Oh, I got the sack again, girls. Well, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry for any of them. As I said, I hope he's feeling bad. There have been enough Australians feeling bad because of him for so long. And now I'm being nasty here, but enough of that. He's been nasty to me for years. And he's gone. That's the end of him. And I feel good. Birds flying high You know how I feel Sun in the sky You know how I feel Breeze drifting on by You know how I feel It's a new dawn It's a new day, it's a new life for me And I'm feeling good Fish in the sea, you know how I feel River running free, you know how I feel Blossom on a tree, you know how I feel It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for me And I'm feeling good Dragonfly out in the sun You know what I mean, don't you know? Butterflies all having fun You know what I mean Sleep in peace when day is done That's what I mean And this old world is a new world And a bold world for me Sands of the pine, you know how I feel. Oh, freedom is mine, and I know how I feel. 
a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life, it's a new life for me. And I'm feeling good. And I'm feeling so good, I'm going to bring you a little bit of history this morning, just for a total change from the election results of last weekend. And this is Raff talking about the Red Rattlers. What fun he had recording this. Let's have a listen. It is unofficial history, but not as you know it, not a location. The Red Rattlers. What better time to talk about them? Tate Trains, the red, now electric, formerly steam trains, wooden. They were the absolute emblem of suburban rail travel for almost a century. Here's some of your memories. They're quite comfortable, just that I suppose and they're a bit rough riding. <laughs> I shouldn't say that, I suppose. The scene on the beach with Gregory Peck and Ava Gardner, which is done at the Frankston Railway Station, is a red rattler behind them in the, in the actual movies. I've got my very own red rattler in my backyard. Well, mine's 1917. Well, it was semi-converted, but it, we converted it and used it as a B&B. In 1956, my right leg was hit by a red rattler. I was thrown into the air, and here I am 65 years later, still here to tell the story. The doors could be opened while the train's moving. Terrifying. Of course, one of my mad mates decided he was going to go out and do a bit of sort of astral travelling from one carriage to the next. And did, and surprised, terribly surprised the people in the next carriage when he opened the door and, and came in. Oh. Instead of having a, a vehicle take us away from the wedding in the park, we walked across the park onto the platform. The party got onto the platform to wave us goodbye and go back and finish the champagne and whatever grog we had left. I'm sitting there smoking and they're filming everybody and then that night I went home and um, my husband thought I'd given up smoking. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't see you on the TV. He did. You busted. (laughs) There was clearly a lot of smoking on these red rattlers. Alicia wrote this. We all smoked going to and from work. Mid-70s. If you stood up, you could read someone else's age, front to back, from Flinders Street to Upper Ferntree Gully. We must have stunk to high heaven from all the cigarette smoke. Although Andrew recalls the smell of the brakes, comfortable seats and leaving the doors open. Maybe that's why everyone smoked. Tim, as a wayward teenager, wrote that he ran away from home for reasons which I cannot remember. And me and my friend slept in the Red Rattlers, parked in the Flinders Street Station yards. We made the cabins warm by hanging blankets over the windows. Another listener saying, as a teenager, loved going in the first-class carriage on a second-class ticket. Well worth the anxiety of being caught. Melinda's story. I love this. Getting off at Camberwell Station, circa 1972, to meet Mum after school, 
to go shopping for my 13th birthday present, Lee Canvas Jeans. Doors not automatic, as we've heard. I was in a forward carriage, and as we pulled in, another girl from my school gave me a push, and I hit the gravel platform. No shopping for me, just a visit to the doctor to extract the shredded tights from the grazers on my legs. Ouch. At our 20-year school reunion, the pusher apologised. And Rosie paints a beautiful picture. Her oldest memories of the Red Rattlers are from the Glen Waverley Railway Station, which was end of the line. All the roads were unmade, and we'd walked to the station up Springvale Road from our farm. There was a shoe rack outside the station where everyone would leave their muddy shoes, swapping to their town shoes and hopping onto the beautiful old trains. I loved the leather seats, brass fittings, and travelled to and from school and then art school. And the Red Rattlers have a special place in my heart. And a huge um, shout-out to all of you who've got Red Rattlers in your backyard and have lived in them from time to time. Someone who knows a lot about them is Kevin Clark. He is a dedicated Electrail volunteer. It is he and his twin brother, Tom, who we think are some of the longest-standing volunteers who've been helping to take care of these Red Rattlers. But when I had a chat to Kevin Clark, I asked him, hang on, these Red Rattlers, what are they really called? Tate Cars, T-A-I-T. Tate Cars. Named after Railway Commissioner Tate. I think he was from Canada and he headed the railways years ago and they named the trains after him. And when did they first run in Victoria? As electric trains, they ran in May... Uh, 1919. 1919. That's right. And did they run earlier with steam? Yes, they did. The four carriages that we run at the moment, two of them were built in 1910 and one of them was 1918. When they were first built, they were steam hauled. So you're working on Red Rattlers that were first on Victorian rails in 1910? Yes. That's right. We have two carriages that were built in 1910 on the train that we ran on Sunday. Kevin, I think I got on a train the other day that had never, ever been used before. It was brand new. It was one of those ones you can see the whole way through. You know, it was still oh, yes. it was yes. still gleaming and glistening. For yes, someone who's only ever ridden on the new ones, yes. describe what it's like being on the Red Rattler. Someone's never been on one. What's it like being on them? Well, I suppose it's they're more noisier because they don't have the insulation like modern trains have and there's no air conditioning in them. They're quite comfortable, just that I suppose, and they're a bit rough riding. <laughs> I shouldn't say that, I suppose. <laughs> they <laughs> are. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and you could travel along, say, in the summer months and you could have the doors open. Air conditioning, yeah. Yes, and the cool air had just come in through the doorways. And they had uh, clerestory roofs, some of them. So which and roofs? Clerestory roofs. What are they? That was, that's sort of like a lower roof and then it goes up to a higher roof and where it goes up there's little windows and you could open those windows oh, up yes. to allow the fresh air to come through. Oh, like a good house design. Yes, yes, that's right. And they were originally painted in a very dark brown, all lined out in gold or yellow lining and then eventually they were painted uh, red right. with grey window and, frames, and that's how I knew them when I went to work. I only remember them being cold and uncomfortable. I think I only oh, went on them. cold the... and uncomfortable? No. Oh, no, they're not. They're no. a lovely train. <laughs> well, my, my very young primary school bum 
uh, just remembers being freezing cold and compared to the nice silver new trains, they seemed oh, uncomfortable. Oh, oh no, 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 they're lovely to ride in. <laughs> I mean, you just put a heavy coat on in the middle of winter and away you go. <laughs> away you go. Tell me what I don't know about them. What are the things that interest you about them? What, 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 the woodwork and the varnish work in them, and they had very ornate ceilings, pressed metal ceilings. And, they got uh, pressed metal ceilings? Yes, interior ceilings. Oh, wow, that's gorgeous. Oh, they're very well built. They had luggage racks in them. Tell me about the woodwork. In those cars uh, was um, Queensland maple mainly. They had a bit of teak in them, and they were all varnished, all varnished. And the seats in the first class were leatherwork, and in the second class carriages they had wooden slatted seats with cushions on them. Cushions on a wooden slat? Oh, that's fantastic. So why Red Rattlers, Kevin? Why do you like the Red Rattlers? Why do I like them? That's a good question. I think they're marvellous machines. And I used to travel on them to work years ago. Yeah, I just like the way they sound and how they look and so forth. And when they were going to come out of retirement, two or three of us decided they should be kept. And that's what we did. We got permission from the railways at the time and... We're given a site down at Newport and we sort of gradually worked on them and got them into working order and then we started to run them in 1980, I think it was, up till 2004 on I, special trains. And are they hard to drive or is it just like super no, simple? No, not really. They just have a, a throttle that you swing around to various positions and will give you the various speeds and then there's the brake valve, you'll just apply that air-operated brake and brings the train to a stop. There you go. What was yeah. the response on Sunday? Oh, it was marvellous. We went to Lilydale, and I've never seen so many people on the Lilydale platform waiting for it to come in. When is the first passenger trip, do you know? Uh, about six weeks away, I think. Oh, where will you be going? Probably, I would say, up to um, the Dandenongs to Bulgrave because uh, we got money from the federal government, a million dollars, to get that train up and running again. And without their assistance, it wouldn't have been running on Sunday. And so this is a little pet project of you and your twin brother, Tom, is that right? (laughs) Yes, that's right. Yes, we've worked on them all these years. Yeah, down at Steamrail, yep. Who's the better restorer? Oh, I am, of course. <laughs> that, I didn't struggle to get that answer from you. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for restoring the Red Rattler as well. And I hope you enjoyed that little bit of unofficial history from 15 years ago. Thanks, Raph. 3CR And before I cross over to the bagman, I really want to congratulate Jerem Small. And, of course, congratulations to all the workers who staffed his polling place on Election Day. Jerem achieved a 10.83% primary vote out there in Roxburgh Park North, one of the most working-class areas of Melbourne's outer northern suburbs. So congratulations to the Victorian Socialists. That's a really impressive result. And good on you, Jerem. Uh, good morning, you're listening to 3CR, the only radio left. Good morning, Bagman. What a week, eh? Oh, good morning, Susan. And what a week it was because I'm not going to talk about the elections 
for a couple of minutes yet. I want to speak to you about the fact that Scott Morrison believes in miracles. He's not the only person in this country to believe in miracles because the simple fact is, have you got a Facebook account, Susan? Me? Yes. Yes, I have a Facebook account, yes. All right, I'm, I'm one of many, many millions of people in this country that have a Facebook account. Now, yeah, and... I have a Facebook account because I like to keep up to date with what my, my relatives and friends are doing. And I also like to, there's a word for it, I think it's troll. I <laughs> like to troll the QAnon supporters and the United Australian Party supporters. And I was trolling one the other day and... They said that this election, which has just gone past, is going to be declared null and void. Well, they said there was all sorts of rorts going on from the Australian Electoral Commission employees and whatever. I happened to say to one of those people, you're a loony. You're a loony. Guess what? Ten minutes later, still on Facebook, I got a message from Facebook to say that I have been suspended for seven days for making any contribution to Facebook because I had breached their community standards. What do you do when you get that? You automatically appeal against that and you give the reason why you appealed. And guess what? Fifteen minutes later, I got this comment and it, believe me, I, I did get it. We're sorry that we got this wrong. We review your comment again. I reckon I've got to be the only person in Australia, maybe I flipped it, that has had an apology from Facebook for what they've done. It's a miracle, bad man. It's a miracle. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Not only Scotty believes in them, I believe in them now. And before we go on to the election, the good news keeps on coming because political prostitute and serial liar Craig Kelly will no longer appear in what was once a great newspaper, the Age newspaper. No longer will readers have to see adverts of the political liar claiming to be our next Prime Minister. Now, we all know it was a joke from from day one, but unfortunately, some anti-vaxxers, sovereign soldiers and QAnon loonies believed in it. Apparently, and I've got to say this, apparently there's a sucker born every minute. Well, there obviously is. That's quite a worry when you think about what's happening to our country, that we have these loonies in it. What they're talking about, elections being rigged, that's all Trump. That's exactly what it is, and that's why QAnon supporters who don't have a brain cell to rub against each other, that pick up all these things, and they are going to, according to them, and I, I call them out, it's absolute bullshit that they are going to ask for a new election to be called. <laughs> if it wasn't funny, it'd be funny. Yeah, if it wasn't funny, it'd be funny. For heaven's <laughs> That's sake. right. Anyway, 
the, the Liberal MPs, it was a rout last Saturday, and the, the arrogant, corrupt, born-to-rule mentality people from the Liberal Party, the belligerent and the rotters, were kicked out of Parliament. Now, tonight's a place in the country at the moment. It just seems to be a better place to be living in. But Liberal MPs, apparently, who feared their government was on a path to electoral oblivion. Now, they're out there. There are some brains in the party, and they urged Frydenberg to challenge Scott Morrison last September. But apparently... They were unable to convince the former treasurer to turn against his boss. There's only one word to say about that, as be as weak as boarding house tea or as tough as the skin on a rice custard. And he's gone down the road like the rest of them. Yeah, down that dusty road. That well-known dusty road, Susan. Eric Abetz. Oh, he's gone too. Oh, good. They're all gone. And as we record this program on a Wednesday to be played on a Friday because, well, because of COVID, but we are not too sure about how the Senate will vote. But apparently Pauline Hanson, poor old Pauline, is on a knife edge and she might be getting beat by the Greens. That would be the icing on the cake. What would have been a much better icing bag, man, was, mm-hmm. that she, was that Pauline was pushed very hard by the... <laughs> the, make, <laughs> the Make a Marijuana Legal Party. <laughs> that. I thought that was the, probably the best thing that came out of that election. That, that's exactly right, and... Her head would be spinning um, like she had just had a, what do you call them, a reefer. I don't know what you call the bag man. I'm not in that party. <laughs> mum told me about the effects oh, of God, marijuana. So did my mum, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I've got to boast. I have to boast. Only people who will know, and I'm sorry that I wasn't on last week's program because I would have made one of my famous nostril anus predictions last week. But it's on Facebook. People who have seen it will know that I'm not bullshitting, but my nostril anus prediction, no hung parliament, Labor will win outright. No, there won't be a hung parliament, Susan. There'll be a majority of the Labor Party, even though we don't particularly support the Labor Party, but the parties that we support apparently done quite well. Indeed they did. The Victorian Socialists had a fantastic uh, result. And the other Socialist Party, Socialist Alliance, they've done quite well and will pick up uh, over 4% of the votes. Well, the Victorian Socialists got 6%, much more 6%. than that. Much more than that arsehole Clive Palmer's mob. Well... Oh, come on. You've got to feel sorry for Clive. He spent $100 million trying to win the election and trying to get the Liberal Coalition 
over the line. A hundred million dollars for not even giving their deposit back. It says a lot about the people who were sucked into the lies that they read in the age newspaper. The Murdoch Press, Channel 9, Channel 7. Yeah, I tell you what, the ABC did not cover themselves in glory either. If you have seen the day before the election or a couple of days before the election, the interview between Albo and Lee Sales, you would have wondered where this woman was coming from, but we know where she's going to. She's heading out of the ABC. But talking about television, someone has to do it. Now, I've laid my life on the sacrificial altar because I've been watching Sky News. Think of your health. Think of your health. Come on. I actually tuned in the other night to Paul Murray on Sky News. You've got to see Peter Credlin and Paul Murray shed a tear. The guests included Corey Bernardi, Andrew Bolt, and the old queen of kerosene, old vinegar tits herself, Bronwyn Bishop. Oh, I tell you what, that television studio was knee-deep in dummies. Corey Bernardi. Well, they drag him out. They bring out your dead, they were saying. Bring out your dead. My cat is very afraid of Corey Bernardi. Don't you remember Bernardi going on about marriage equality? Is that next thing they'll be marrying animals? And my, right. my cat's been afraid of him ever since. Whenever, whenever his name was on the TV, my cat would run and hide behind the couch. <laughs> Bronwyn Bishop is she still alive? Yes, she's still alive, and that's um, a shame. Like John Howard, I think she is preserved in formaldehyde. Still capable of opening her mouth. Not much comes out of it these days that make much sense. She's still there, old vinegar tits herself. The thing that really concerns me at the moment, Susan, and I want to be serious about it, is that they're planning to have, or no, there was a certain law company that's planning to take a class action against Victoria's triple zero authority. You know, when people die, dial triple O, hoping to get an ambulance in time to save people's lives because apparently there have been 15 deaths linked to the dangerous delays of people being able to get an ambulance. There is one reason for that and one reason only. There are something like 67,000 people with COVID at the moment. There's something like 14,000 people in our hospital system being treated by overworked and often abused people, anti-vaxxers, sovereign soldiers, or should we say cut lunch commandos, and the QAnon people. The reason why ambulances don't get there in time is simply because the anti-vaxxers and these other lunatics tying up the hospital system, they're the ones that are calling the ambulances and they are responsible more than anybody for the deaths of people that haven't been able to get an ambulance in time. 
That triple zero service has never been the same since Jeff Kennett. Well, it hasn't, but uh, I've often had to use it and I've never, ever had to complain about the service, about the time it got to treat me and the hard-working, under, probably underpaid people in our hospital systems are the victims of the anti-vaxxers, the sovereign soldiers and the cut lunch commandos because they're still walking the streets unvaccinated. I know I'll get into a lot of trouble, but I think that those anti-vaxxers that are killing people in our hospital system ought to be transported to an island somewhere so that they're isolated from the rest of the community. Now, I know I'll get into trouble for that, but so what? These are the people that I troll uh, on social media who still say that COVID is fake and the only way, like Craig Kelly, put a, a substance called ivervactin up your back passage. Oh, that's a very <laughs> nasty thought. Yeah, you well, stick this up your bum and you don't get COVID. That's right. And it's a, it's a pain. No, it must be effective because it's a, a treatment for worms in horses and sheep oh, well, and donkeys a, and cows. And Craig Kelly. That's right. And I'm sorry, Susan, but and if, I it wasn't, yeah, if it wasn't so funny, it would be funny. And I suppose for Eric Clapton as well. Eric Clapton or Eric B- a bit? Eric Clapton. He's Eric Clapton. Yes, Eric Slowhand Clapton, the famous guitarist. Oh, yeah, but is he an anti-vaxxer? Yes, and he's, <laughs> he's on life support at the moment from COVID. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, we shouldn't laugh. I would. We shouldn't laugh. <laughs> All right. Okay. Have a laugh, Susan. I didn't know that. I was not aware of that. <laughs> well, I've got to the stage where I do laugh at them because I think I've given you enough bloody chances in my life to and wake what, up to yourself, but you won't. All it means is going to get an inoculation to safeguard you from uh, this uh, deadly virus. And for some reason, some reason, some sane people won't do it because it would be injecting some sort of dangerous substance <laughs> in your body. Well, yeah, like a forget vaccine. About polio. <laughs> forget about <laughs> smallpox and German meal. Black and death. Cholera. <laughs> yeah. Typhoid. Yeah, that's right. And they've all done it in the past. That's a the funny thing about it, Susan, they've all done it in the past. They've all lined up who had their inoculations in the past. But because the Trumpists, the people from America, from QAnon, are the anti-vaxxers, let's be serious here for a minute, Susan. Who won the fight against the lockdowns here in Victoria and the rest of Australia? It's a simple fact that the anti-vaxxers, the sovereign soldiers, the cutlunch commandos had a very, very serious impact in having those lockdowns lifted and that's why we are now suffering, as I said before, 67 
a thousand people suffering from COVID. But we have to open our borders. We have to open our coffee shops. As I said before, Susan, dead is the new normal. Unfortunately, Bagman, you're right. Unfortunately, yeah, that's the way it goes. Hey, hey, what? Something coming up soon. It's What's the it's the free um, CR radiothon. So it for, is for twenty twenty two. So I'm not too sure which day we'll be on, but I'm sure you'll let me know, and we'll be appealing to all our uh, listeners and the people that uh, donated last year to make sure that we uh, achieved our target and we got over the line. We'll be relying on those people that listen to your fabulous program every Friday morning and they'll be giving generously. 17th of June. 17th of June. Now, that's very good, Susan, because I'm heading up to Darwin next week, to Darwin and Broome, and we will be having a telecast from either of those cities, uh, Darwin or Broome, direct to 3CR's studios. We can do it, can't we? The wonders of modern technology? Of course you can. I'm just wondering, um, Broome doesn't have a very good reception, but Darwin has. Oh, well. uh, Look, I might be stuck in the middle of the Tanami Desert. Who knows? Is is that where the Tanami Desert is? I'm not sure where it is, but I'm sure that if you're stuck in it, we'll be able to hear from you. Yeah, now I'll make sure that uh, I've got the hamster wheel going uh, and make sure we've got enough enough uh, coverage. That was a good, wasn't that a good quote? Uh, if you're watching the election coverage on uh, Saturday night, and we were all we all were watching until we became a bit blurry eyed. But one of the dudes on the panel. Dudes? Uh, a dude, a liberal dude. Bad man, I worry about <laughs> you. He stated that the wheel is turning, but the hamster is dead. Now, that's got to be the quote of the year. The wheel is turning. <laughs> but the hamster is dead. Doesn't make sense. But anyway, I got a laugh out of it. You should too. I am, but I must tell you, Bagman, I must confess. Yep. On Saturday night at 6 o'clock, I turned on my uh, streaming TV services and I I watched West Side Story, the 2021 version, and I sat there criticising it compared to, you know, the 1980s or 1970s version. (laughs) And then I watched a a remake of The Long Goodbye, you know, the Ah. Ashiel Hammett one, and I criticised that all the way through. And then I watched... Home fires from the BBC until I was blurry eyed and fell asleep. And I didn't watch anything about the election until the next morning when I woke at 10 to 5 and I turned on the ABC 24 hour thing. And said, okay, that's all right. And then I went back to sleep. Ah, But I I had a look. I wasn't going to watch. I wasn't going to watch it. It was too stressful for me. But then I did have a look at at Elbow's acceptance speech and his thank you speech. And I was very, very impressed that he started with an acknowledgement of country. And I was very impressed with the flags behind him. That was very good. And that's why I was saying before, Susan, that there seems to have become a peace 
over Australia from the arrogance that was displayed by the, especially Scott Morrison, arrogant, corrupt, born-to-rule mentality. It's their role in life to be able to tell us what to do. It wasn't a democracy when Scott Morrison was there, and it now the heat has been taken out of it. And every Australian, even those that voted for the, for the loonies, uh, would be breathing a sigh of relief. I wonder what Scott told his daughters. Did he say, I've got the sack again? We shouldn't be cruel to the Why unemployed. Not? <laughs> He's been cruel to us. He's been sacked from the only three jobs that he had. He yeah. was head of the uh, New Zealand Tourist Bureau. He was head of the uh, Australian Tourist Bureau. And where the bloody hell are you? And he's now been sacked by Parliament. And fortunately, we will never, ever have to see his ugly face again. Oh, what a relief, eh? What a relief. Things will yeah. be hard. There's a breath of, I don't know, a sort of a relief in the air. Yeah, yeah. And, and those kids playing soccer can go back onto the soccer field safe once again. Yeah, that they won't be getting hit with a rugby tackle on their soccer field. Yeah, it makes you wonder, doesn't He was playing soccer. <laughs> he rugby tackled this bike. Uh, now, I can't stop laughing, Susan. Um, I, uh, I hope I hope you'll be able to edit uh, some of that, some of the laughing that I've had to put you through. Well, what we're saying is that Scott isn't a good sport. Uh, well, that's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it, Scotty had that uh, figure behind his desk, a picture of a boat. It said, "We stop." the votes. Well, this week, Scotty from marketing stopped the votes. And he sunk. <laughs> and and just before we finish, there's a great news. Uh, apparently unions have won 10 days paid family and domestic violence leave in a recent fair work case. Now, that, that's an historic step for workers' rights in Australia, and it's been won by years of campaigning and support from across the union movement. So good on them. Every now and then, some good things come out of legal cases, and I see that Peter Dutton lost his his libel case on appeal for a bloke to call him a rape apologist. That's almost enough to send me back to judge's school once again to become yeah. a judge. Of course, there's hope that the Tamil family taken from Billa Layla four years oh. ago will be home in time for Thunny's fifth birthday, which Won't is that, just, just yeah. a couple of weeks away. Won't that be the most fantastic reunion on behalf of a community um, that supported that family uh, that was spirited away in the middle of the night something like four years ago and haven't been allowed to return to their community. I hope the town of Bilawila, they'll be letting off skyrockets 
as soon as that family arrived. They have been so supportive of, of the Fangy family and they've made a lot of noise about it and they'll be really looking forward to getting them back home. I think every resident of Billawea that uh, supported this family, this Tamil family, ought to be awarded the Australians of the Year. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what a what a great note to finish on, Susan, because I can't see the Cobra Clock. But I can see you the Collingwood Clock. Yes, right. and, and I it's think it's time. about time. It's about time we went out in the same old way. And why not? Dare to struggle. Oh, and dare to win. If you don't fight, you lose. Good morning from left after breakfast. Well, thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the ride. And we will be telling you more about the Radiothon. That's on the 17th of June for our program. And I'll leave you with another light and happy song to keep up the mood of happiness this morning. A new day has come. Let it feel my soul and drown my fears.
let it shatter 